Well, I mean, Liam, we're back here. It's it's, uh, it's Pucks and Brews. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Sparacino, alongside, oh, well, excuse me, Mike Michael Shade Sparacino, alongside Liam the Shellmaster Gottimer. And uh, yeah, we just keep cranking these episodes out. And uh, Tyler Mott is a ranger. Ryan O'Reilly got traded to the Maple Leafs. There was an outdoor NHL game with the stadium series. It's episode 37 of Pucks and Brews. Eventful weekend. Lots, a lot going on. Liam, how are you, sir? That was a good, good intro, Shades. But I'm disappointed that you forgot your new nickname in your intro. <laughs> Come on. You got to remember these things, man. You know, you are Mike Shades Sparacino. And all the fans want to hear you uh, uh, hear you named as that. But uh, you're right. It's been a whirlwind of a week in the NHL, of course. The stadium series, you know, between the Capitals and the Hurricanes. I mean... It wasn't particularly close, but I don't think any of us really expected it to be. You know, of course, with Alexander Ovechkin and his father passing away, rest in peace uh, to Mr. Ovechkin. Of course, a tough loss in the hockey world, but uh, yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, and uh, you want to know why I forgot it during the intro? Because uh, I haven't I taken a sip of my cold brew yet. Need a sip of the cold brew, of course. Let's actually, let's take that sip right now. Ah. I love coffee. <laughs> you know, I'm not really a coffee drinker, Shades. I don't think you knew that about me. I did not know that about you. And uh, that's probably for the better. Not not going to lie. <laughs> eh, just never uh, never got around to the taste buds, you know. Just, yeah. you know, hey, I don't... bitter taste. But uh, I see why people love it or addicted to it, like you. <laughs> Dude, I need it or else I just simply cannot function in the morning. Like, it, it's pretty bad. It, it it honestly is pretty bad at this point. But, Liam, it's episode number 37 of Pucks and Brews. Everyone, as always, get a drink of choice, whether it be alcohol, coffee, water, milk, I don't know, vodka, wine, uh, orange soda, fruit punch, whatever. Anything you want, sit back, enjoy, and listen to some hockey talk. So, Liam... We begin this week with some news out of the Chicago Blackhawks saying Jonathan Taves, who has been dealing with a lingering illness due to, it was COVID related plus something else. I don't remember off the top of my head, but the Blackhawks have uh, put out basically the equivalent of a press release, aka Twitter that he is going to be sitting out until that issue gets resolved. Sorry, I'm plugging my laptop in at the moment. He's going to be sitting out until the issue is resolved with his health and moral, or I should say, with the asterisk that he will not be traded. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I have the official statement um, from Jonathan Taze that, like you said, was posted on the Chicago Blackhawks Twitter account. And it says, and I quote, first of all, thank you to all the fans and all those who have shown concern about my absence. I'm still dealing with symptoms of long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome. It has been really challenging to play through 
these system uh, these symptoms. In the last few weeks, it has reached a point where I had no choice but to step back and concentrate on getting healthy. I'm thankful for the patience and support of my teammates, the coaching staff, and the entire Blackhawks organization. So that's directly from Jonathan Taze. And then, of course, it comes out shortly after uh, that the Blackhawks will not be trading Taze at all. And you know what? Just from the organizational standpoint, Shades, I think that's just doing right by the player. Yep. You know, who obviously going through um, a severe personal situation and, you know, health is paramount, you know, health matters over sport. Uh, and I think the Blackhawks realize that they're an organization that needs some positive PR and really needs to handle things the right way from here on out. Uh, and I think that's a good step towards doing that. And you know what? I think keeping the captain around uh, is something that's in the Blackhawks best interest, to be honest. And I don't really think that it, impacts whether Jonathan, excuse me, whether Patrick Kane gets traded uh, or not. You know, I think it's kind of two separate things. Um, but all I can say is that I hope Jonathan Taze gets better. You know, I hope he takes the time he needs for himself uh, to get back to playing hockey. And if, you know, this is it for Jonathan Taze, you know, it's a great career. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Him and Kane are 100% not related. And it is absolutely doing right by the player. And you're right. As well, this this is a team and an organization desperately in need of some good PR. And as unfortunate as this circumstance is, this is this is one hundred percent doing right when they are coming off some major, horrendously bad PR. Yeah, absolutely. Now, myself. Now, um, this is another conversation for the off season, but let's do a quick fire. Yes or no question. Does he re-sign with the Blackhawks in the offseason? I think, you know, there is a 30, 33% chance he re-signs with the Blackhawks, 33% chance he signs somewhere else, and a 33.3% chance that uh, he just retires outright. You know, so I think this situation could go any number of directions. I think without having a concrete answer in regard to his long-term health, uh, I don't think you can answer that question, but uh, I think the Blackhawks would have interest in bringing him back. But I think, you know, if he is healthy, I think his services uh, will be better fit uh, elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, for a team that's in a salary cap crunch and wants to win a Stanley Cup, why not add a Stanley Cup winner uh, to your center group, um, you know, who has a lot of experience in that area. So I'm going to go with he does resign because as much as he has been openly against what the team has been doing in recent years this is one like we you mentioned earlier this is 100 doing right by the player and i know that he's been there his whole career so far he's won three stanley cups and i think that this is a precursor to him doing right by the team next season yeah I, again i could really see it going any number of ways i could see him resigning with chicago but, you know, I don't know if that's the Blackhawks, you know, priority. Uh, and, you know, maybe Jonathan Tate just personally just wants to win another Stanley Cup, you know, like Patrick Kane does. Um, and, you know, it's better fit elsewhere. Um, but again, you know, I think it really just comes down to first and foremost, his long term health. And we don't know uh, where he's at at this point. So obviously he's had to step away from hockey. So, you know, um, it's significant. So, you know, that much that he had to do that. So, yeah, a major question mark indeed. So let's switch over to a, speaking of priorities, Patrick Kane. Well, at, we're recording, it is currently 8.33 p.m. on Sunday, February 19th, and Patrick Kane is playing in a game tonight 
against the Toronto Maple Leafs and has a hat trick. This guy wants to get traded. I think it's been very obvious. And basically the question I give to you is, do they find a trade partner for him? I think that they do. Um, I think there's there's many teams, both in, in the Eastern Conference and out West, for that matter, that would be interested in Patrick Kane. I mean, I don't know if you noticed it, but he has a hat trick tonight uh, and five points against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, you know, he's showing everybody that that hip injury might be a little bit overblown um, and that he's still got a lot left in the tank. You know, the advanced metrics might not show it, um, but Patrick Kane is a superstar and he's always been so ever since he was drafted number one overall in 2007. So, look, Kaner, he's going to, you know, fit very well on a contending team. Um, You know, I look at the Vegas Golden Knights as a team that could potentially be interested in Patrick Kane, you know look around maybe the New Jersey Devils if they you know strike out on uh, Timo Meyer they could be interested too so I think that there's a number of teams both out west um, and in the Eastern Conference that could be interested in Kane uh, and Chicago could get you know pretty good value back and you know if it's any indication from what the Rangers did with Tarasenko obviously Chris Drury called you know the Chicago Blackhawks and asked about Patrick Kane and he found the price tag to be you know too high so if he gets moved the Blackhawks are going to get you know a pretty good return um, you know, back. So, yeah. And I actually, I completely forgot to look up, uh, Patrick Kane stats specifically just for goal, uh, goal scoring purposes to compare him to Tarasenko. Uh, I'm, and I just need to point this out. So Tarasenko is a, like we said, was either a six or seven time 30 goal scorer. I cannot remember off the top of my head. Patrick Kane has scored 30 goals in the NHL. Man, he's been in the NHL for a while. One, two, three, four, five. Five times. And after the last two games, he's surpassed Vladimir Tarasenko in goal scoring for this season. And he, like we said, he's doing it on a much worse team. If Tarasenko got the return that he did, what in, granted, Mikola... Nico Mikola was in the trade. I think Kane can get just as much, if not better, considering he's a three-time cup champion with uh with the 100 point two 100 point seasons on him. And I'm pretty sure he has one con smite. I could be very wrong about that. And also I'm pretty sure he has an art Ross as well. Yeah, um, I think Patrick Kane is going to get more than Tarasenko uh, to you know answer your question, um, and I, I think that he's going to get less than Timo Meyer. So take you know that what you will. I think you know if I have to estimate the return for Patrick Kane, I'd say a first round pick, you know, a mid level pick, maybe a second, third round pick, a high end prospect, and probably another prospect as well. You know, I think it's going to be a pretty nice return for the Blackhawks. And um, look, he's the prime UFA on the market. Um, so whoever gets them, you know, maybe the Vegas Golden Knights, like I mentioned earlier, who are atop the Pacific Division right now, is, you know, Patrick Kane, a player that could put them over the hump potentially. So, you know, and I think a lot of teams view Kane as a player like that. You know, if you add number 88 to your roster, it completely changes the trajectory of your season, despite where it might be headed right now. Absolutely. Last question before we move on. If slash when he does get traded, is it a two or three team deal for cap purposes? 
Well, you know, I think when you're talking about more than half the league, you know, they're going to have to, you know, add a third team to make it work for cap purposes. So, you know, it's definitely not out of the question. Um, you know, and again, if we look at teams that we keep speculating about that could potentially acquire Patrick Kane, you know, if you are at the top of your division, if you're not named the Seattle Kraken, of course, you know, you are in a cap crunch. You know, you look at the Dallas Stars, they're in pretty much, they're in a cap crunch. The Vegas Golden Knights, they're in a cap crunch. The Colorado Avalanche, same thing. You know, you look at the Eastern Conference, you know, the New Jersey Devils, you know, maybe they could make the move for Patrick Kane. But, you know, um, I think it might, um, you know, uh, have to add a third team, you know, if you're dealing with more than half the league, because it's been a flat cut for a couple of years um, and most teams are right up against it, just like our beloved New York Rangers. Well, they are going to be in the offseason, but that is for the offseason. Speaking of potential trades, what the hell is going on with this Jacob Chikrin stuff? This has been just honestly dragging on for seemingly weeks now, technically years, because you know, as well as you know, pretty much anyone, he has been involved in trade rumors since I uh, what feels like 2019. And he, I'll give him credit. As far as I've heard, he's been acting as a total professional throughout this entire process. But this is getting ridiculous at this point, and it's kind of becoming a clown show. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I, I do agree that it's probably heading in that direction, you know, the longer that this goes on. Um, but I think it really comes down to one thing. The Arizona Coyotes have a high expectations for trading this player, you know. and As return. they should. As they should. And Jacob Chikrin is one of the few number one defensemen in the NHL on both sides sides of the puck for that matter. And again, like Patrick Kane would, you know, revolutionize uh, a forward group on a contending team. Jacob Chikrin would do the same thing for a team's back end. So, you know, if you look at the return for Patrick Kane or, you know, if you look at the return for Timo Meyer, I would put the return for Timo Meyer and the return for Jacob Chikrin on a similar playing field. That's how good um, you know, these two players are. And I think Jacob Chikrin might have some term on him as well, you know, three or four years, you know, at a reasonable cap hit, maybe six and a half, seven million dollars. And if that's the case, because I believe the Coyotes extended him maybe a year or two back. Um, so if that's the case. His current cap hit is four point six million, and his current yes. contract expires after 2024, 2025. So he's got two full seasons after the season. Yeah, the return's going to be hefty, probably more than Timo Meyer. And you know, well, that's the probably, thing to keep in that's probably the hold up. And you know what? The trade deadline um, is, you know, not too, you know, got a little bit of a ways away. Um, what, three or four weeks here? Um, so, you know, the Coyotes don't have to make a trade now. So they can wait on it and get the best deal. Not to go off topic, but to keep in mind about the Timo Meyer situation, he's an RFA after the season. So you are 100% trading top dollar for Timo Meyer if he does get moved. But I'm honestly, I, I'm honestly kind of done with this situation. I can't wait for it to be over. I'm assuming you are too. And I just hope that he gets moved already. So it can become another situation of a team doing right by the player. That's right. 
And you know what? I think to a lesser extent than what's going on with Jonathan Taze and the Chicago Blackhawks, I don't really think the Coyotes really owe Jacob Chikrin too much. You know, I mean, they're in a rebuilding phase. I mean, that's just the status of the team right now. And you have a superstar player at the trade deadline where a lot of teams um, could use a number one defenseman. And look, if you look over the last few years or so, I mean, Jacob Chikrin's probably the best defenseman to enter the trade deadline market in quite a while. When you take into account his term, his two-way play, uh, and what he's been able to do, uh, you know, on a poorest team like the Coyotes for the last few seasons. So he's going to get a very, very big return. That's why Brant Clark was in the original talks with the Los Angeles Kings. You know, Brant Clark is one of the Kings' top three prospects, you know, so that should show you uh, where the Coyotes are at in terms of uh, what their expectations are in the return for the player. Okay. Yes or no? Do you think he gets more than Timo Meyer in a trade? Yes or no? Yes. I think it will be a similar return, but I would expect um, a better prospect and, you know, more picks from a Jacob Chicken trade than a Timo Meyer trade. Because again, Timo Meyer is an RFA. Jacob Chicken has term. And a $4.6 million cap hit. You know, if you look at value for defensemen around the league, I don't think there's a better value than Jacob Chikrin at 4.6 million. Any defenseman in the league. Seriously. Way to take all my points. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So think alike, Shade. Smart minds think alike. Smart minds do think alike. And even though smart minds do think alike, even you and me didn't see this trade coming. The other day, Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari traded to the Toronto freaking Maple Leafs. I did not know that Toronto had as much cap space as they did going into this trade. I didn't realize that they had as much cap space as they did after this trade until someone brought it up and I actually double checked it. They still have $4 million in cap space to make another move, but we'll get back to that in a second. The Toronto Maple Leafs added Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari. Jesus, man. And this is a three-team trade where the Minnesota Wild were the third team to take on some cap to get a draft pick. The floor is yours, Liam. Yeah, I mean, the Maple Leafs acquire a former Conn Smythe winner, Stanley Cup champion. Champion and Ryan O'Reilly having a poor season with the St. Louis Blues, but who isn't having a poor season with the Blues outside of our beloved Pavel Buchnevich, of course. Um, but again, you know, I digress. But Ryan O'Reilly uh, is a terrific two-way player when he's on his game. And you know what? Maybe going to a winning team, a team that is atop, you know, their own division in the Atlantic, like the Maple Leafs are, uh, could rejuvenate the player and where he's at this season. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if O'Reilly goes in there, steps in, adds to the center depth, uh, and really, you know, makes the Toronto Maple Leafs attack formidable. You know, when you combine John Tavares, Austin Matthews, now Ryan O'Reilly, you know, Austin, uh, excuse me, uh, Mitch Marner, Willie Willie Nylander. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, this is a deep, deep forward group. And, you know, I think we should also take into account um, that they acquire Noel Achari as well. Achari is a good player. Achari can play. And he is an ideal bottom six forward, and you need more of those when you head towards the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't care what your depth chart looks like. Uh, you know, you could always use more, and we'll 
get into that in regards to our New York Rangers. I won't give anything away. Um, but yeah, Noah Chari uh, is a big time pickup, as is Ryan O'Reilly. And I think if you're Kyle Dubas, the fact that 75% of Ryan O'Reilly's cap hit is retained and you give up a fourth round pick, a first round pick, I guess a mid level prospect in Vitaly Abramov um, and, you know, another prospect, that's a win you know, if you're the Maple Leafs. It really is. I remember we talked about Vitaly Abramov once upon a time on this podcast. We did. In a former trade. And unfortunately, nothing really ever ended up happening with him NHL-wise. Well, you never know. Yeah. Yeah, man. But just to uh, talk about what the St. Louis Blues acquired, apart from Mikhail Abramov, they also got Adam Gaudet who is basically the epitome of a fringe AHL NHL player. He's very good in the AHL, but can't really stick in an NHL lineup. Like you said, a first, a third, and a second. And the Minnesota Wild obviously get, you know, the fourth round pick for the salary retention. So, oh, and the Maple Leafs also got Josh Pillar a center prospect who is 21 years old, undrafted from last year. Nope, excuse me. I am I am mistaken. Drafted in the fourth round of 2021. Well, you know, good trade. And, you know, good for the Blues, too, you know, to get three draft picks back, um, you know, as well as, you know, a mid-level prospect in Vitaly Abramov that could potentially, uh, you know, make an impact at the NHL level. I mean, Adam Gaudet. As well, you know, like you said, fringe AHL, NHL player. Um, I think he's having a really impressive season with the Marlies. Um, no, was he with the Marlies? Who was he with? Um, actually, that's a good question. I would be okay, way more but, on know. my game today, but I'm just absolutely Me shocked. Too. But he's, but regardless, he's having a solid season in the American Hockey League, and like you said, just couldn't put it together at the NHL level. It, it was uh, the but Marlies. It, it was the Marlies, and you know, it was a good, uh, good trade. Um, for all sides, if you ask me, I think Toronto, of course, gets the best players in the trade. I think St. Louis adds to their draft stock. And look, this is a deep draft class in 2023. So to be able to stock up first round picks, look, they got one of either Dallas or the Rangers first round picks in the Tarasenko trade. They got the Maple Leafs first round picks. And you know what? It's going to be late because both of those teams, all three of those teams for that matter, are you know expected to go semi deep in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So look, if you're St. Louis and you get a second and a third round pick as well, also with conditional third round pick, right? Conditional fourth that turns into a third if the Rangers make the playoffs. You know, they are really stocking up here and they have the potential to either move up or, you know, catch a prospect that might slip into the later round. So good for the Blues. Now, the question becomes with the Maple Leafs, they did make end up making this trade, which is the quote unquote big splash, at least for them this season. Do they still trade for a defenseman? I think they do, because I think that's still an area that needs to be addressed, especially, like I said, they still somehow have over $4 million in cap space due to the players that are on LTIR and their cap hits. Who do you think they add? Who's on LTIR for them right now? On LTIR for the Maple Leafs are the following. Jake Muzzin, as I think we all knew. They also have Matt Murray, Nick Robertson, and Victor Mete with a cumulative LTIR cap hit of 
basically 11.85 million. That's because Matt Murray makes a ridiculous 6.25, correct? Yep. That's insane. Um, but yeah, look, the fact that Matt Murray, I mean. Actually, no. Surprisingly, his cap hit is only 4.687. 4.6. So he was signed by 4.6 by 6, you know, uh, on his original contract with Ottawa. Not 6 by, uh, not 4, 4 by 6 million. It felt uh, like 6 again, million. Yeah, it felt like 6 million for sure with the way he's played, especially this season too. And if it, you know, I just want to put this out there too. If it hadn't been for Ilya Samsonov this year, the Maple Leafs goaltending situation would be much more of a story than it is. Just want to put that out there. Um, but as far as who they add, you know, especially on the back end, I could see like a low level defenseman, Luke Shen with Vancouver, you know, just get somebody to shore up the bottom pairing. Um, I think they're really done with depth pieces in their bottom six because I think, believe it or not, O'Reilly slots in at your third center slot, right? And, you know, Achari probably slots in at your 4C. So, you know, um, I think their forward group is pretty much set. You know, maybe they want to add another goaltender. I don't know what goaltender would be worth it to where they wouldn't have to give up um, too much asset-wise, um, but maybe if they just want to add some depth. But besides that, I think the Maple Leafs are, are done as far as significant additions are concerned. Yeah, I think well, I Kyle Dupuis had a W deadline. He did good. He did good because you know what? Austin Matthews is on the brink of leaving, you know, for unrestricted free agency. And, you know, he had to really add the right pieces. And you add a proven winner um, in Ryan O'Reilly and Noah Chari, who had been to his uh, fair share of playoff games as well. Yeah, no, like you just said, this was definitely a W for Kyle Dubas and Maple Leafs. As much slack as we give him. And, well, deservedly so. I mean, I think even he realizes that this could very well be his last season as a GM if they don't get past the first round. He had to put all the chips in, and he did. And Maple Leafs fans should be happy. And you know what? I think Chris Drury kind of set a precedent for other general managers when he set out that morning and acquired Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, pretty far away from the trade deadline. I think he sent a message saying, you know what? I'm not going to wait until trade deadline day at 259, you know. I'm going to strike now while the iron is hot and while these teams are selling. And I think the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas followed that narrative. And I think that's going to lead to a, a strong performance down the road and in the playoffs. You know, I know I say it every season that this could be the Maple Leafs year where they get out of the first round. I really like their chances, even if it's against Tampa Bay. With their roster, and if Ilya Samsonov is playing like he is, only goaltending can keep them back. I was just about to bring that up because I was going to say this of all years, like I said, currently February 19th, as we're recording, this of all years would be the year that the Maple Leafs finally went around when they don't have a true starting caliber goalie, as well as Sam Sonov has played. He does not have a pretty much any playoff success because he's only played about seven games. So could they, could they be the shocker of the year? Possibly. Maybe. They could. They could. They got the roster to do it. They just need their superstars to show up, and they need a rejuvenation out of Ryan O'Reilly. That's all they need. And they need their goaltending to stand up. I remember I think defensively, maybe... they're fine. To, to be honest, they're, they're fine defensively. I like their decor. I like their coaching. I like their goaltending. I don't like their depth at goaltending, but I like their depth there. 
I uh, you know, but I like their starter there, Ilya Samsonov. And you know what? There are strikers on this, you know, on this attack for the Maple Leafs, you know. So, look, they add to that here with Ryan O'Reilly and Olachari. Good for them. Good for Dubas, too. I remember back in 2020, we were talking about, you know, obviously after Tampa won the Cup and everything, the running joke for a little bit was they would finally win the Cup under these circumstances. And just to make it a little bit funny, that like I said, this would absolutely be the year the Maple Leafs win around when everyone thinks their window is slammed shut. Because, hell, look at the 2018 Washington Capitals. Everyone thought that as soon as they lost to Pittsburgh in 2017, their window was slammed shut. And, well, they ended up winning the Cup the next year. I'm not saying the Maple Leafs are going to win the Cup, but if... <laughs> I'm, this is another joke. If they win the first round, Maple Leafs fans are going to act like they won the cup because this is going to be, this is going to be like a New York Jets playoff win. People are just going to go absolute ape shit, batshit crazy. Well, I mean, it hasn't happened for so long, Shades. That when it does happen, I mean, you know, the reaction is going to be um, pretty much out of this world. Um, and I'm going to be happy for Maple Leafs fans, to be honest. You know, I think every fan base deserves to. Uh, you know, have their moment and, you know, they don't deserve to live in misery for as long as they have, you know, good regular seasons. Um, and then, you know, short lived um, time in the playoffs, you know, that's really soul crushing from season to season. And the fact that they've had to go through that since what, 2003, you know, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, we're going on what's going to be 13 years next year as a Jets, New York Jets fan. So we sort of understand Toronto Maple Leafs fans' pain. Yeah, we sort of get it, for sure. You know, I mean, personally, and I know this isn't the same for you, I don't really care about football, you know, that much, you know, as or I'm not as invested as I am with the Jets as I am with the Rangers. You know, if the Jets, you know, make – Missed the playoffs. It's, eh, you know, I mean, sucks. You know, I root for them. You know, um, but better luck next year. And you know, I think the Jets, for that matter, just on that note, are going to have a great year next year. Hopefully, with a new quarterback. Um, but <laughs> you know, but if the Rangers, you know, don't make the playoffs from season to season, that will be uh, a lot more of a tough time. So, yeah, no, that would be, that would be bad. But end all be all, I think this is, if the Maple Leafs lose in the first round. Again, I think Kyle Dubas is done. They clean house and they start all over from a managerial standpoint. But time will tell. But you and I, like we said earlier, are giving Kyle Dubas credit because this is 100% a win so far. And if they do add a defenseman like Luke Shen, they're putting themselves in a pretty good position, not only to beat Tampa, but to make a run. Yep. Right on. All right, so I know this is something that you wanted to bring up when we were talking before we started recording, and that is the state of the Western Conference wildcard playoff race. I know you wanted to talk about this, so by all means, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep it short and sweet, but, uh, you know, as far as the Western Conference wildcard race is concerned, I mean, right now the two spots are being held by Edmonton and Minnesota. And look, you know, I think that Edmonton 
is going to stay in the number one wild card spot. I don't really think that's uh, too much of a statement to make, you know, especially if they acquire Eric Carlson like they're rumored to do. But Minnesota is a team that's selling off to me. You know, the Calgary Flames, you know, of course they beat our beloved New York Rangers last night uh, in overtime, you know, bullshit penalty call, but, you know, I digress. Unfortunately, um, I was not home to watch the game. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, Rangers fought back. Lafreniere got the game tying goal, so that was uh, satisfying to see. But, you know, the Flames, you know, I haven't been impressed with this season. And Nashville's in, you know, kind of sell mode. St. Louis just unloaded O'Reilly. You know, the Canucks, you know, I mean, Dave Tippett. Yeah, no, not Dave Tippett. Uh, Rick Tockett, you know, took over for Bruce Boudreaux, and that hasn't really changed anything. Arizona, Bedard. You know, San Jose, Bedard, Chicago, Connor Bedard, Anaheim, Connor Bedard. So, you know, this Western Conference is pretty weak. And I think that second wild card spot is going to be taken up um, by a team uh, that, you know, probably doesn't deserve to make the playoffs in, you know, regular formats. So, and I think the number one team in the Western Conference uh, might have an easy time um, with whoever's in that spot. So, Vegas, you know, for example, runs into Minnesota or Calgary, could be a short series. Just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. And also, speaking of, uh, the West overall being weak, the Pacific division in general is just awful. I mean, Vegas has seemingly fallen off a cliff. LA is okay. LA and Seattle are kind of just okay. I think, I don't think their records are indicative of how good of a team they are. Uh, The central division is interesting because stars are actually playing somewhat well. Winnipeg is playing pretty well. Colorado seems to have found their footing. Apart from those three teams, I Edmonton is the most overhyped team in the league. So apart, honestly, this is just, it's so strange. The Western Conference, it, it's just so strange. And just to bring up like a small point that we were talking about earlier about teams selling early this year. I think Connor Bedard has a lot to do with that, but the West in general, it's, can you see any team outside of Dallas, Winnipeg or Colorado posing a serious threat to anybody that comes out of the East? Maybe Vegas, if they acquire Patrick Kane or, you know, a significant trade deadline, you know, um acquisition but uh you know dallas doesn't really scare me to be honest i just don't think they have the depth or the top uh end talent for that matter they have ottinger you know uh which is a big key you know if you have a star goaltender you know that can carry you through the playoffs you know um no matter what your roster looks like you know that could give you a boost winnipeg uh i think winnipeg is a sleeper to be honest with you winnipeg is a really solid team and they got a really good core colorado of course won the stanley cup last year so i agree with you there um but i think vegas is in the conversation but as the roster stand right now with la and seattle i say no way you know would they pose any challenge to uh, any top team in the east like the rangers hurricanes or bruins you know, this honestly, or lightning. yeah, I, yeah, no, lightning. <laughs> if they get, well, if they get past the first round. Yes, but, yes. Yeah, no, but um, I mean, the West overall is just, this could be a very, very underwhelming Western Conference first round of the, for the playoffs. Um, But on the other hand, the Eastern Conference, things could get pretty interesting and pretty dicey. It could be very entertaining. Yeah, the Eastern Conference, you know, I'm excited for, for sure. 
you know, especially what the uh, Metropolitan Division could yield, you know, the Devils against the Rangers, you know, we, we talked about it on previous podcast episodes, you know, that's two fast teams um, that would put on one hell of a series, to be honest. Um, the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, you know, of course, last year was a seven game series. It was very entertaining. You had Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari um, and probably, you know, a big time uh, talent to the uh, to the um, Tampa Bay Lightning as well. Um, you know, if they're able to maneuver the cap, um, you know, they're not going to stand pat at the deadline when they're watching everybody else get better. Of course, the Boston Bruins as well, you know, they could potentially face off with the Islanders, the Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, Boston's had a great year, but, you know, you never know if one of those wild card teams could give them trouble. So we'll see. Yeah. And I can't find the exact stat that someone sent me, but Rangers since, if I remember correctly, the start of the year have it was either the best record best point percentage or both and granted record wise they've been red hot and they've been playing pretty well too but the fact that they're still third in their own division is uh a testament to how much they were struggling earlier in the season but that is kind of going off on a mini tangent here so i will get back on track and speaking of getting back the new york rangers earlier today have acquired tyler mott he's back baby for julian gotier and a conditional seventh round pick that could become a sixth round pick aka pretty insignificant but we get a bona fide very good fourth line player that honestly as well as the top nine has been playing lately this team desperately needs a quality fourth liner such as Tyler Mott he we all knew we all know what he brought to the team last year speedy forward hardworking, which is and just honestly a quality fourth line forward uh yeah Tyler Mott is back I'm very happy another W for Chris Drury Liam come on I know you got something to say here I know you're happy Tyler Mott is back, back, baby. I'm excited. I mean, you know, he's probably one of the best depth wingers that the Rangers have uh, acquired at a trade deadline in quite a while, you know, over the last few years. And he made quite an impact, you know, during that entire playoff run. Um, you know, he brings a ton of speed and energy to the fourth line. And I just think, you know, he's not so much better of a player than Julian Gauthier. Don't get me wrong. He's better than Gauthier is. I just think he's so much of a better fit on the Rangers and so much more of a better fit on a team's fourth line. And yeah, I think I when on... it comes down to when the third line, you know, isn't on their A game, you know, like the kid line, Zabanajad and Kreider potentially having off nights, Panarin, you know, who is sometimes invisible from time to time, you know, when Tyler Mott is on the ice, you know, and he can kind of wreak havoc uh, and provide an impact, you know, and positive trajectory to your team on your fourth line, you know, that's really key. And to give up a seventh round pick, that's pretty much nothing. Um, conditional could turn into a sixth, I believe. Um, and Julian Gauthier, and, you know, OTA is a player that, you know, you stuck to, you committed to for a long time, you know, sent them between the AHL and the NHL, former first round pick, of course, former prospect with the Carolina Hurricanes as well. Um, you know, and look, he proved himself to be a capable NHL player. And it was enough in return to the Ottawa Senators to get a player that the Rangers really needed back into their lineup after a strong playoff. So in the case of Tyler Mott, it was a guy that Drury traded for at the deadline last season, let walk in the offseason, 
when he should have been re-signed. That's another off-season Drury L that's that's starting to become a theme now. Anything outside of the draft, which is all to be determined so far. Uh, but he reconciled for that by bringing him back. And I don't remember if I just said this, but I was surprised. I'm not surprised that Gautier was traded to begin with, but I was surprised that he was involved in this trade. Right. You know, <clears throat> um, you know, I wasn't really surprised Gautier was traded, to be honest. You know, he was getting a lot of playing time on the fourth line that he wasn't really getting early in the season, you know, and it kind of confused me, you know, because, you know, I've always thought Gautier is a good enough fourth line player. I just don't know why the Rangers were committed now um, as opposed to before. And obviously now we know why they were trying to showcase him and show other teams that, you know, this guy can play. And if we can acquire a depth piece, you know, we wouldn't mind giving him up, you know, in addition to a late round draft pick. And that's exactly what happened with this trade. And Tyler Mott, I think, is the ideal bottom six player to go out and grab if you're Chris Drury. Should he have been re-signed in the offseason? Yes, but I think that the trade deadline cap space and the cap space that they had at the offseason at the time, you know, are not the same. You know, they have a little bit more flexibility now than they did then. Um, but with that said, that doesn't mean that the Rangers didn't make a mistake in not making re-signing him a priority. I think, you know, I think he should have been re-signed before Trocek was signed, to be honest with you. You know, I think when you look, you got to look at your Stanley Cup run, you know, fine, you don't want to call it a Stanley Cup run. You got to call, you know, look at your long playoff run, you know, where you took the, you know, eventual, you know, Stanley Cup runner-up and the Stanley Cup champion two out of the last three years to, you know, six games and had a two games to none lead on them. You know, you have to bring back every single player that was instrumental to your success. And the Rangers failed to do that in the offseason in Chris Drury. Um, but, you know, they reconcile for that now. And you know what? With Tarasenko, who looks really good, by the way, with Tara, um, with Kreider and Zabanajad, and Tyler Mott back to this fourth line, you know, even if you have to give up Gauthier, you know, I think the Rangers got a lot better today. And that's all that matters. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Another Can't change the past now, you know? We can't change the past. But we go from what was technically an off-season L from Drury to another mid-season trade W which it's just yes. freaking fascinating. It really is fascinating. We're going to look back at this as Chris Drury's tenure as GM, and we're just going to be like, dude, what the hell happened those first two off seasons? Right. And, you know, you sent me a uh, player card today, a Barkley Goudreau, and uh didn't look too good. You know, it was, uh, yeah, it was not good. Uh, <laughs> you know, and Barkley Goudreau is one of those players that, you know, maybe his advanced analytics might not show it, but he's, Wherever he's been, Shades, he's been praised by his coaches, you know. And John Cooper, if you ask any NHL fan around the league who are the top five coaches in the NHL, John Cooper, I think, is consistently named in that answer. And he loves and he praises Barkley Goudreau and his impact as to why the you know the Tampa Bay Lightning won two out of the last three Stanley Cups. So, you know, I think he holds value. Um, but, again, the advanced analytics don't show it. But, you know, Gallant loves him. Cooper loved him. You know, you go back to San Jose. I forgot who was coaching back then. Maybe Todd McClellan. You know, I believe loved him as well. So just wanted to put that out there. But I know you don't like the contract. You know. I, I mean, I I don't. I don't. But Hard. we we've done uh we we've talked about that enough. But what was that? I said for Tyler Mott, he's got a good contract. So love me some Tyler Mott. But uh like we said after the last trade the Rangers made. The Rangers are a better team now than they were yesterday. 
That is true. Yes. And this playoffs is going to be insane. I Rangers have a legitimate chance to do some damage. Some serious damage. And I'll just say it. Stanley Cup. I hope we win Stanley Cup because, well, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Do I? Oh, yes, you do. And so do a lot of people. A lot of people are invited to that party. Yes. There you go. I'll be there. All right. So to end this episode on some Rangers talk, as we always do, just general Rangers talk. So it's been about four games since we last recorded. And, well, unfortunately, the seven-game win streak came to an end. But, hell, 15 out of 16 points, two comebacks, one win, one overtime loss, specifically the last two games. Another just strange game against Vancouver from everything I heard. And then the Carolina game was just, I mean, we might've talked about that last episode, but the just this team is just finding ways to amaze me that like without going off on a tangent, but uh, they've taken a noticeably noticeably like dude this is how shot i am i literally cannot think of the right of words to say they've taken a noticeable step forward and with the addition of tyler mott this team just becomes ever so more dangerous and well we're playing winnipeg tomorrow i'm very interested to see this how this game is going to go I got to get muted once every episode, right? Um, but yeah, I'm very interested how this game is going to go between the Rangers uh, and the Jets as well. And look, I think their trajectory um, is definitely headed upward. And, you know, I'll just touch on a few areas that I've noticed over the last few games. Um, the fact that Tarasenko seems to be clicking with Kreider and Zibanejad, that's, that's huge. You know, like they had a perfectly executed three on two the other night. You know, it was a thing of beauty. You know, it just shows that the chemistry is just starting to form a little bit. And I'm happy that Tarasenko is starting to find his place. Also, Vincent Trocek and Artemi Panarin suddenly works over the last few games. You know, they had their success in Carolina. It's carried over. You know, their chemistry is building. Maybe it just took a little bit, you know, a little bit more than halfway uh, through the season, you know, for the two to uh, develop some chemistry with one another. And, you know, the kid line, you know, has it slowed down over the last couple of games? A little bit, maybe. But Lafreniere, again, producing a goal. Capo Caco, I mean, you know, again, the points might not show it. They're starting to show up a little bit more um, than it has in the last couple of years for number 24. But, um, look, his two-way game is just absolutely spectacular, and it's great to see. Um, on the back end, <clears throat> you know, you weren't able to catch the game last night, but Adam Fox had a pretty bad game. I heard. Um, of course, taking um, penalty in overtime. Um and, you know, of course, the overtime winner, I believe, by Huberto beating Yaroslav Falak. Um, but he got booed relentlessly every time he touched the puck in Calgary because of his decision um, to not join the Calgary Flames. Um, so, you know, maybe that impacted his play a little bit. And also, lastly, Shades, just to touch on the Rangers, Yaroslav Falak, again, what a performance. He gave up two goals, you know, early on in the first period. But after that, he was lights out. And the Rangers did not play their best hockey. You know, their number one defenseman, you know, was not himself. And, you know, when you combine that with Keandre Miller, who struggled, was a little slow. Jacob Truba, who's Jacob Truba. And, you know, 
Braden Schneider under tough environments. And of course, Nico Mikola, you know, who's had his struggles as well. You know, for all intents and purposes, outside of that first five minutes in the first period, Yaroslav Halak killed it last night. And uh, he continues um, to be the backup that the Rangers need. So tip my cap to him. And good job for the Rangers getting a point in a game where, quite frankly, Shades, you didn't watch it. They didn't deserve one. They didn't. That sounds like a lot of games from last season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just way too many great A opportunities. And, you know, not enough time in the offensive zone. Markstrom was great as well for Calgary. Inconsistent, but he has his needs. So. Yeah, I mean, hey, we still got how many games we got left? Wow, there is still 26 games left in the regular season. A lot can happen. And the Rangers are seven points out of the division lead from Carolina, even though Carolina has a game in hand. But with the trajectory that the Rangers have been on since the beginning of the year, of the calendar year, it's not a stretch to say that they could could take first in the division. Mm -hmm. You think so? It's not a stretch. I mean, look at, look back to 2014, 2015, when the Rangers won the president's trophy. I, I texted a friend halfway or yeah, I would say halfway, maybe 50 games into the season. I texted him saying, you know, the president's trophy isn't completely out of reach. And he says, he said something along the lines of, yeah, that's not happening. Ne- next thing you know, we, we clinched the president's trophy with like a game or two left in the season. And I mean, we didn't win or anything, but I'm just saying it's not, we're only seven points out and a lot can happen over 26 games. A lot can happen over the next 26 games. You're absolutely right. You know, we're still chasing down the New Jersey Devils, you know, who continue to win games. Um, and the Carolina Hurricanes as well. I mean, of course, I think the Rangers showed where they stood after the Tarasenko trade with the Hurricanes, you know, going into their barn and taking them down, you know, and of course, Artemi Panarin accounting for four goals, but they were really dominant in that victory, you know, outside of a few stretches for Carolina where they took over. But uh, I think that the Rangers are right well, now. Outside, outside of that first period. <laughs> outside of the first period, yes. But I think right now with their roster, um, the Rangers are better than the Carolina Hurricanes on paper um, and on the ice as well. But, you know, still trade that line away, you know, and Carolina could absolutely bring somebody in that could, you know, push them ahead of the Rangers again, at least on paper, but we'll see how it happens on the ice. Um, And, you know, they could very well win the division, but, you know, I wouldn't mind necessarily a first round matchup of the Rangers and the Devils, you know, or even if the Devils win the division, the Rangers and the Hurricanes, you know, just give me some good hockey. You know, if you're going to go on a Stanley Cup run shades, you know, you need to be playing your best hockey throughout the playoffs. And the matter of the fact is, you know, even if it's going to be a tough time, uh, the New Jersey Devils are going to bring out the best in the Rangers, you know, and whoever they face in the next round, whether that's from the Atlantic or from the Metro, you know, they're going to be ready for that challenge. You know, let's just say, you know, they have to face the Bruins in round two after facing the Devils in round one after a grueling seven-game series. The Devils pushed the Rangers to their limit, and now they're ready to go and play Boston, who won the President's Trophy, and take them down and reach the Eastern Conference Final for a second straight year. So, you know, I don't really mind the tough test early on. And that's why the Rangers had success last year. You know, Pittsburgh was a tough test. It was a seven-game series. They yeah, I mean, they, they shouldn't have been, but... <laughs> they shouldn't have been, but, you know, they were. Yeah, they were, but that just goes to sh- this team is so much better. Uh, but I just 
in terms of a Rangers Devils potential matchup in the first round, I want to see that just to face someone new in the playoffs and face a team that we haven't played in the playoffs literally in what's going to be 11 years come June. Because if you look back in the last year we played in the first round, Pittsburgh, 2017 first round, we ended up playing Montreal, then Ottawa. 2016 Pittsburgh first round 2015 Pittsburgh first round 2014 Pittsburgh second round I'm (laughs) I'm looking for a nice change of pace to actually play the Devils (laughs) that would be kind of nice and I'm not saying it's going to happen but let's just say that the Islanders finish first wild card and win around I would love to see a Rangers Islanders playoff series because when the hell was the last time we played them i'm just doing saying this solely as playoff series that i'd like to see just as a as a fan yeah of course outside of 2011 2012 right when the uh devils won in seven games over the rangers six Henrique's overtime goal six six excuse me six on Henrique's overtime goal um you know the rangers and the devils haven't met in the playoffs and the rangers and the islanders uh conversely as well um, and again, coupled with the fact that both teams bring the best out of the Rangers, you know, just the fact that it's the rivalry as well, you know, it would just uh, bring my anticipation level up a notch, you know. Of course, it's fun to see us play the Hurricanes or the Bruins or the Lightning or what have you. But when it's a playoff series against the Islanders or the Devils and the Rangers have to go into the Prudential Center or, uh, you know, UBS Arena, you know, that's exciting. That's a lot of fun. Have the Rangers really not played the Islanders in the playoffs since 94? Well, I mean, Islanders were pretty pretty bad in the early 2000s. They never faced off. And yeah, I would say 94. Wow. I mean, I'm just lo- I'm looking this up right now. Holy crap. That, oh, Jesus, man. It's 29 years. That's kind of impressive, not going to lie. Impressively bad for the Islanders. Well, that too, but I'm just saying like in general, like two teams in the same division not meeting, especially like crosstown rivals, not meeting in the playoffs for 29 years. That's that's pretty impressive. Also kind of sad, but impressive at the same time. Same time. Agreed. And if All you right. go, if you go back before the Rangers and the Devils faced off in 2011, 2012, you know you're probably heading back quite a while too. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So outside of the series, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I kind of went off on a tangent there. Uh, I really got nothing else other than let's go Rangers and welcome back Tyler Mott. Uh, Liam, you got anything? No, that's pretty much it. Uh, of course, welcome back, Tyler Mott. You know, so long, Julian Gauthier. You know, thanks for bringing your all, you know, every single game. You know, I had no complaints about Gauthier as a player, and I'm happy that he's going to get his chance on an Ottawa team that's going to give it to him, you know, obviously, since they're not heading towards the playoffs. And, uh, again, Tarasenko, another Tarasenko goal last night. Just want to point that out. Party it up. And tip your cap to Yaroslav Halak as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, oh. now I re- – Vitaly Kravstov still uh, sitting in the press box, by the way. Yeah. And still uh, not traded. Yeah, this is 
I just want him to get I, traded already because he that kid needs a fresh start. He does. We'll see if it comes in the in the coming days. I'm just happy he wasn't a part of the mod deal because a lot of Senators fans, you know, when it was rumored that Mott was going to get traded, they're like, oh my God, crap solve. You know, that would have been a L by jury, but. Yeah, that would have been a W and an L. A W because Tyler Mott is a good player, very good fourth liner. But uh, that would have been, that, that would have been way too much uh, value given up. Agreed. But that's not what happened. It's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, welcome back, Tyler Mott. All right, I, I now I really got nothing else because I'm just I'm just absolutely shot after barely sleeping <laughs> last night. Uh, so thank you. Cobra. How is that? Oh, I, it's gone. Oh, it's gone. It's go. gone. <laughs> All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening and or watching. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Share your videos or share our share the podcast with your friends who are hockey fans. That will be greatly appreciated. Uh, as always, I have been your host, Michael Shade Sparacino, alongside Liam, the Shell Master Gottimer. And uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's it. Follow us on all of our socials listed in the description below. And yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week we'll be back next week i have i have no fancy outro for this episode so take care everyone